I'm Libby Rothschild, former clinical dietitian who transformed into a full-time virtual business owner. It was only one year ago when I made $55,000 a year in my clinical job. And now I make $100,000 a month being my own boss. And you can do this too. My clients, who are all female dietitians and students, started from zero and created six-figure, multi-six-figure businesses by following my proven method. And they've all been guests on air. My proven method shows you how to attract cash paying clients using social media marketing strategies that work. You don't have to guess, waste time, or hold yourself back when you follow my step-by-step method. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Alessandra Magisano, a registered dietitian from Toronto, Canada. She specializes and works predominantly with those affected by eating disorders or disordered eating and is an advocate for freedom and balance relationships with food. Alessandra has worked in various settings supporting those with eating disorders and disordered eating, working to help people find balance and peace by getting off of the restrict binge purge cycle and avoid guilt and shame associated with food through nutrition counseling and rehabilitation. She is interested in understanding how one's relationship with food can have widespread effects on quality of life, nourishment, and mental health. Welcome to today's episode. Where can we find you on social media? Hi, Libby. I'm at eating.disorder.nutritionist. Fantastic. I'm really excited to have you here. Did I leave out anything from the bio that you think would be helpful? No, that sounds great. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Talk to us a little bit about your experience, firstly, with working in a clinical setting and where you started out with your virtual practice versus where you are now. Yeah. So my clinical experience, I started off the hospital, I think like so many of us do after graduation. And then I moved into a like outpatient clinic. And so the setting was a little bit different where I moved from going into the hospital where it was like salary to an outpatient treatment. It was needing to sort of treatment center and it was like split commission. So for example, it was kind of a stepping stone. I knew I always knew I wanted to be in private practice, but this was this clinic was kind of a stepping stone towards that. I wasn't on a salary anymore, but I still was in this position where I was getting commission rate per hour that I was seeing the the patients or clients. And that's sort of what catapulted me into really pushing me to do this private practice thing that I had been wanting to do forever. But in my mind, of course, thought that I needed to like wait until I had X amount of years experience. So I thought, okay, this is crazy. I'm spending the, the fraction that I'm giving away to the clinic per hour of my hard earned work is insane. It's insane. So that's where I was right before I started to join the group coaching and start my virtual practice. And it kind of started from really nothing. And so I just, because I had a little more time and flexibility, COVID kind of indirectly helps with that. It started from there. Amazing. So what you're saying is that you wanted more from clinical. So you decided to start virtual and was there anything else that you think helped you make that decision? Because I know so many feel insecure. I know you're saying you don't need the two years, but what was the catalyst to make you say, you know what, I'm going to do this? It was actually, I remember the moment it was, I was at a a salary or a yearly annual review with my boss. And it was this dynamic where I was having to fight for what I knew I already deserved. And it's that moment of having to like fight for what you should be getting and you know the work you put into it. And no matter what the cut I was getting to the clinic, I was still putting, I knew I was putting 110%. So it was that moment of needing to say, you know what, I need to be my own boss. There was, it was just this idea of having to meet in front of my, my boss at the time and be like, okay, I have to fight for you to 
you know, approve my 3% or whatever the amount is of an increase in my salary or whatever my, our percentage for another whole year. And then maybe I'll get another raise. I was, it was that moment where I was just like, this is enough. I need to be able to take control over how much I make. I can't wait a whole year to decide that. That was the moment. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's yeah. also common and that's relatable. And I know I felt that way too. So I totally agree yeah. with your story. And can you give us a little bit of an update about where you are now since deciding that you want to be your own boss and start your virtual practice? Yeah. So right now I'm working, I've shortened, I've actually had to shorten some of my hours at the clinic in order to accommodate my new clients, which is great. So I'm still, still there. It's my tether, but the hope is to not be there eventually, but I'm pretty much virtually private practice running it from, from home. So you know, Instagram and social media is the, has been the platform and that's how I've gotten my clients. And that's, I now have a private practice and I'm still working a little bit on the side um, at the clinic. Fantastic. And thank you for breaking that down. And we're going to talk a little bit, yeah. un unpack that story because I'm sure the listeners are saying, how did you do that? Yes. Yeah. Within just a couple months, you were able to grow yeah. your practice. And so, yes, we're going to talk about that. That's amazing. Yeah. So before we unpack a little bit about that, I want to learn a little bit more about you and your yeah. with food and your yeah. children wanting to serve those with eating disorder and, and disordered eating. Um, and how has your personal relationship with food impacted your approach to relate with your ideal client? That's a great question. I think it's impacted it a ton. It's the whole reason I do what I do. I chose this field because growing up, I grew up in an Italian family and food was always around and there was always all types of foods and we used food to celebrate, to cry over, to laugh over. Food is just very abundant and it was positive. And when I was going in high school, I started to notice that not everybody had that same relationship with food. When I'd have friends come over and they would say, how do you have all the, like they would raid the cupboards, raid them, go crazy. And I'd watch them be like, can we have the snacks? Like I was known as the house where all the good snacks were. And I was like, what do you mean? You don't, Get that at your house and there was always a bake there's always something baked good on the counter always and there was always like fried things and there's always food and people started to notice that and i started to take notice that not everybody has a positive relationship with food which i think i took for granted growing up and it started making i was interested in well then if if you're afraid and you don't get those kinds of food at your house what is it what's that like so I started asking some questions and, and you know, I, they would tell me that like, oh, I just know my mom's on a diet and no, I can never have that's bad. It's junk food. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting. And so when I kind of paired that with dietetics, I was originally going to go into medicine and then that was a fiasco. And then I decided to kind of pare down to dietetics. And I realized that if I was going to practice dietetics and do nutrition, I didn't want to do it from the traditional way. Like I didn't want to do it from a weight loss perspective, which is what everyone told me I had to do. If you were going to do, they're like, oh great, you're going to be a dietitian? Great, so like you can put me on a diet. They're like, no, that's the opposite of what I'm going to do. So I think my mission became to do the opposite. And not that there's anything wrong with the other, with weight loss or any other types of, of nutrition, but I knew that my perspective was a little bit different. And so my personal relationship with food impacted my choice to work with this population and does impact how I relate to the clients that I see. That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. And I know, yeah. I know it's nice to take a personal approach 
and, and think how that's affected and impacted your point of view now and how yeah. you with clients. Because I'm sure when you tell that story or even having that background connects you with the, the people that you serve yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about your clients, your ideal clients, yeah. how did you come to helping serve that population? And what barriers, if any, did you have when deciding to niche down rather than staying general in that process? Yeah. So I, I started working that population in internship, my clinical internship. I had rotations and that's when I kind of found it. And when I started in my clinic, in my clinical and in my, at the jobs that I've had in the past, I saw all types of eating disorders because it was like a hospital or a clinic where all types of eating disorders were treated. So in my mind, I thought I was being specific. Like when I went into the idea of I'm going to have a private practice and I'm going to serve the eating disorder population, I thought I was being specific by picking all eating disorders. And then I realized, well, I think a lot of things helped me to realize along the way that there is such a need to be even more specific that in my quest to want to help everyone, I was really not talking to anybody and nobody was latching on. I wasn't really being clear with who I could help. And there's limitations too. When you want to do something as broad as eating disorders, even though I thought it was pretty specific, it's pretty broad. It's just like a lot of things. And I really couldn't get specific with the messaging because I was bouncing around between the brain of somebody who has anorexia, between the brain of somebody who has bulimia, between the brain of binge eating. There's so many different types of eating disorders, but I thought that my message could be general and that would be enough. And I also wanted to not cut my feet off at the knees and I wanted to be able to see, well, I don't want to turn somebody down. Maybe that's, you know, an opportunity to get experience, to get money. So I was scared. I was terrified to block myself off and narrow down. But it's through pain that I realized that you have to narrow down or else you're tortured in creating content and creating your message. So it's something that I, I learned just from having to experience trying to create messages for a general population and struggling with that, and then learning that the opposite is actually true, to be more specific. And you were great with helping that because you were like, okay, you should try and I encourage you to be specific, but if you want to be general, go for it and see what happens. And that's exactly what's happened. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate that reflection. And for the listeners, I want you to know that you were able to do this in just a couple months. Yeah. So the story you're telling, you really expedited the process of going from this idea, which still eating disorders is, I hear you when you're saying there's a lot of different situations within eating disorders, but you still had an idea and, yes. on it and got it more clear within just two months and were able to build to start your virtual practice. So I really appreciate you sharing that message for the listeners who are wondering, how can I start my practice? And the answer is to have an idea and then get more and more specific. And then when you get specific, the content creation process comes naturally. Absolutely. Wonderful. Absolutely. And speaking of content, walk us through your process for creating content for your ideal client for Instagram, for social media. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely evolved. It's amazing how it can evolve in just a short, like you said, a couple of months it evolves. But my process has always been, I have a running Google Docs form and it's like called content creation. And I have kind of a heading, I have topic, I have pain point, biggest problem slash message, caption slash hashtags. So it's unorganized in that way. And when I started, I would just plug in a topic and I would think about my topics from clients. So, so my past history with working with, with, with eating disorder clients and I would think about things that they would struggle with and things that I 
wanted to talk about in terms of how I could help them. And I would just start. But I realized that sometimes that would take a long time. So timing myself was a really great suggestion because I would go on and on and on and want to be perfectionistic about it. But as you go, you kind of, you get into a bit of a rhythm where you realize, okay, there's, I noticed that there was, as I was using that format of topic, message, pain points, I got to know kind of the same kind of message I was saying all the time, just in a different way. So it's easier to create content and it's still not perfect, but you get to see the common threads. Whereas at the beginning, I thought I had to create a new topic every day. Yep. And so and it was overwhelming. Right. And so you don't need to create a new topic, as you've said, every day, but what you do need to do is streamline your process, make sure you're solving a, the biggest problem yes. and your specificity and your messaging has helped you hone in on that process. So it's now more efficient, yes. not to mention you get to the results you want, which are leads that turn into clients. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Exactly. Wonderful. Exactly. And so let's talk a little bit more about your experience using social. So how does the content you explain how you've dialed in that process and how the message getting more clear with that has helped you get the content more streamlined. How do we go from that piece to you acquiring clients? Like, can you walk us through that? So I will post and I started out with like a very a small goal or what I thought was big at the time, but three posts a week. And I've now gone up to five. And so I would post and I try and post or generate as much content ahead of time as I can for the week before using last week's content. So that's my newest way of doing it right that that wasn't there before but it's now there where I just kind of I don't reinvent the wheel as we say I just kind of look at last week and I try and spend less time trying to create new things and spend more time making sure my message is what people need to hear like my ideal client needs to hear and going back to my ideal client that sheet of who is my ideal client the pain points is the easiest way that I then create that actual post make sure that message is, is what I want and post it out there. And I generally get engagement, I get likes, I get some direct messages, or people just directly apply to work with me right from my profile. So there's a few different avenues. The other thing that's happening now too is I have uh, quite a few other like dietitians who follow me and dietitians who are in different areas of practice. So they might say, hey, you know, I'm in heart health, but I kind of have a client who I think maybe has an eating disorder, but I send them your way. So even from referral base is happening now too, without even necessarily, I mean, I'm not targeting dietitians, but they're receiving it. So the word is getting out with the posts that I create and the message is being consistent. So it's the my message being consistent means that my community knows what I do. I love that. It's, and you just made it so simple. So streamlined content, we went from three times a week to five times a week. And you're getting the actual leads, people who have eating disorder to apply to work with you and turning them into clients. And you're having it, you're building a network of people who are actually helping bring you business because you're so clear with your message. That's incredible considering that you had no feed just two and a half. Uh, zero. Yeah. Zero. So, I mean, imagine how, how this is going to grow in the next few months. That's the thing is like I was so afraid and intimidated of social media before this started. I was scared. I didn't I didn't even use it personally. Like it was I just it was intimidated all around. I was scared of being judged. I was just I was so so foreign. And so having the blueprint of how to get started and the accountability of getting started honestly made all the difference. Cause I thought about this for a year. Like I thought about starting an Instagram, I thought about starting a practice for a long time, but I it wasn't until I had the accountability to just do it yeah. that it happened. And then, yeah, in two months 
I have a following and you know, my first month I was like, okay, well if I could have a hundred followers in a month, like, okay, if I do that every month, that just builds and builds and my community builds and engagement builds and you just have to sort of just keep going, even though you're, you want to be obsessed with, okay, is it enough? Did I do enough? Oh, I don't, maybe I don't have enough followers. Maybe I don't have enough clients. Is it going fast enough? But that's when I check myself and I reframe my mind and just keep going. Just keep going. Amazing. So it's such powerful advice and reflections. So I would say you have a strong growth mindset. What's helped you develop that? Because you seem really clear as far as keeping abundant. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, I think it's just my like past sort of history of having to be a bit resilient. So I mentioned that I was trying, I was going to do medicine and then I thought I didn't think that I could do that or was there enough for that. And then I tried that and realized it's not really what I wanted to do anyway, but it's a lot of bouncing back throughout my career. People may be selling me like, oh, I don't know, should you do that? Oh, you really should do that instead. You should do medicine, you do better there. Or you should do that. Oh, you're going to do dietetics, you should work definitely in the hospital. Or you should do a lot of outside opinions sort of directing me and me kind of being like, no, and just the resiliency to prove myself, to prove to myself that I can do it, that I, and, and maybe to them too, I, I guess probably, but it's just that bouncing back and just that I refuse to believe that you can't do better, that, there, that it's not possible, right? Like, I think as, as, as a dietitian, it's so hard, that comparison game is so hard to not compare to your colleagues and say, well, look at what so-and-so is doing. They're such a, doing such a great job, but there's no reason you can't do that either. And something shifted with me while I was going through school and internship and and I had a a lot of really great mentors who helped me see that learn from them and now that's the biggest thing that helps me is I like to look to my colleagues and I'm impressed with them and I want to like I really am happy for them doing well and I look to that as inspiration rather than crap I didn't do that I can't do that like wow they did that and I can do that too I love that that is a straight example of switching from fixed to growth mindset and I I love that you're giving that specific relatable example because we've all been there, right? Yeah, and yeah. To take a moment and reflect and reframe will help you find success, you listeners, and it's helped Alexandra. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And so I know just a, a little bit of reflection here, just as a reminder, you did not have an Instagram feed before. So you no. start from zero. Are you comfortable talking about the revenue that you've been able to generate since you started yeah. practice? Yeah, absolutely. So exactly two months that I have started an Instagram account, I have made 2500 as of last week, and I'm on track for this current month to make another 37. So there's that. That's amazing. As a bonus. Yeah. That's incredible. And then so what's the next month's goal now that so you went from 2500 to 3700. And then what and then in the next month? Five. Look five. At you. That's incredible. Yeah, five. You're on your way towards a six-figure virtual business if you keep up with the yeah. each month. And you've gotten all that demand from posting on social, being specific, and showing up. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Showing up. That is the best. It's the simplest but most difficult thing to do sometimes, but it actually does work. You're absolutely right. Like, just show up. Be consistent. Don't be afraid. Just do it. Just do it. I love it. I'm, I'm so yeah. proud of you. And what tips do you have um, outside of showing up for how to build the know, like, and trust? Is there anything that you think would be super helpful for the listeners? I think it really is about getting to know sort of your client 
group and population. So for me, knowing that trust is a big one for those who suffer from eating disorders. And I knew that trust, I think for, well, for everybody, but particularly I knew that building their trust is a big thing. So I worked very hard to build trust. And I used, I was thinking, okay, when I do work with clients in other settings, what is it that I would do to build trust? And in person, it would be trying to make them feel comfortable, making them feel like I was a person, that I wasn't intimidating, that I, I would make sure that I would sit, our room was situated in a way that I'd make them feel like we were just having a conversation. And so I try and apply that to social in the sense that I want to come off as a real person. I want to show my, like my physical picture, which by the way, I never thought I would do when I thought that I was going to have an Instagram account for my business. I thought you didn't do that. I thought that was unprofessional. Can you believe? I thought that it was unprofessional. I thought you didn't show, you're not supposed to show yourself. So I wasn't going to do it. And now I think that is the the most important thing to build the trust is to show your face along with a quote, for example, or whatever, just show your face builds that trust. Cause I would do that if I were in person and it works the exact same way. And then having a consistent message, I would say helps too. Cause if your client base sees that you're consistent, they'll trust you more. I know I'm like that. So I feel like that, that works for them as well. Absolutely. I love that. And that's such a, a great relatable um, story because a lot of the listeners are, they, they don't think that they need to show up and they don't know how, and you've broken down for them exactly how and, and your previous thoughts and, and how important it is to, to do that as you're relating to the message. Um, wonderful. So we've already talked about your revenue and anything else as far as what we can expect next for you outside of you continuing to grow, progress, be seen as a leader in your space, not only networking with other um, clinicians, practitioners, dietitians, and your ideal client who you're closing into your services. What else can we expect from you in the next coming months? Well, I hope to reach my max capacity. And then once I do that, I'd like to move into uh, some kind of a group program and expand into that forum. And then, you know, I was thinking then even further down there to create some kind of resource for not only my clients, but maybe even for dietitians to work with this population. Because so many dietitians who work in other areas will have a touch of mental health or disordered eating. They'll, they'll have a client that has extreme anxiety, so then that causes them to do this with food. And so there's little nuances about how to work with a client in that, that area that I would love to be able to create some kind of a, a resource for other dietitians to work in this area, in addition to creating a group program for clients. That's fantastic. I love that you're always giving back, right? Because the best thing you can do, in my opinion... Yeah your colleagues is to be a role model and help serve so that they can help more consumers and expand that reach, which is also part of the model you want to shift towards a group model, which is where you, where you can help more exactly. people. So thank you so much. This has been an absolute pleasure interviewing you. Do you have any, any final thoughts you want to wrap up with today? Today? Um, no, I think that's it. I think I just want to say that like being a part of this the group coaching program has been amazing. And I just want to let every, all the listeners know if they're questioning it, do it. Invest in yourself. Just do it. Start somewhere. Start small. You can start from nothing. I'm proof, quite literally. And it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be this grand thing. You can just keep going, and it can build. And and you can just keep just invest in yourself. You, you can well, do it. I appreciate that, and I, I appreciate you, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing your progression. And just remind us where we can find you on social and connect with you. It's at eating.disorder.nutritionist. Fantastic. If you identify as a female dietitian or student, apply to my coaching program. I'm accepting applications now. 
My clients go from zero to exceeding their sales goals. I save you time, energy, and I show you how to confidently become a dietitian boss. Thousands of your colleagues from around the world are doing it, and so can you. Apply on my website at LibbyRothschild.com and check the show notes if you want that link right away.